most of us can summarize, if we had to, the first coming of Jesus. In other words, the Christmas story, right? The, the, uh, the baby in a manger, the angels, uh, or the angel giving the word to the shepherds who were in the field, the, you know, the, the wise men. We know the first coming of, sto- the first coming of Jesus um, pretty much you know, in detail. But most of us, I would say, could not do the same with the second coming of Jesus, which is every bit as important, and you might even say more important, when you look at the whole Bible story. This morning, we're going to look at just a few verses in our Live Ready series in Matthew chapter 24, which focus on the second coming of Jesus, which as believers, if you are a believer here this morning, has tremendous significance on how we should live our lives today, okay? So Matthew chapter 24, similar, uh, we're right where we left off more or less last Sunday, Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 to 31, in a message titled, The Second Coming of Jesus and the New World. Follow along as I read. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the others. This whole discourse, okay, we've been looking at it, that we looked at last week, all is in a response, two chapters, Matthew 24 and 25, to a single question that his disciples ask him. And they say, Jesus, when will be the end of the age and what will be the sign of your coming, right? What is the sign? They believed he was coming. They knew the temple was going to come down. They knew a lot of these these, um, phenomenons were going to take place, but they said, What's going to be the sign? How will we know? Now, in response, Jesus gives a series of events, you might say. He doesn't call them signs. But he details them. We talked about them. There will be wars that will take place. There will be rumors of wars. There will be pestilences. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. There will be betrayals. All of these things will happen. They're the beginning of birth pains. And then he gives one trigger event. So he gives general events, then he gives a trigger event. We looked at it last week, verse 15 of Matthew 24. It's called the abomination that causes desolation. This trigger event is actually an individual. He's he's, um, prophesied in Daniel chapter 9 and other places, and he's talked about in detail in the book of Revelation, particularly Revelation chapter 13, the beast, the antichrist. He's this world leader who stands in the temple sets himself up as God opposes the people of God, sets the world at, in war, and it's all kind of devastation outlined in the book of Revelation. So Jesus gives these general events, right? Wars, rumors of wars, etc., earthquakes, and then a very specific trigger event of this world leader called the beast or the Antichrist. But it's not until these verses actually, verses 29 to 31 or verse 30 in particular, where Jesus finally answers the question. He says, listen, the sign that you're going to see is actually the second, the son of man. It's the second coming of Jesus himself. And it's a dramatic sign. It says, listen, 
in the sky, the sun will be darkened. The, the, the moon, therefore, will not give its light because there's no sun. And the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Now, Jesus is using, he's not making this up out of nowhere, but this is a summary of a number of Old Testament passages, many. Isaiah 34, Isaiah 13 are just two examples that are, that are directly quoted, but there are allusions to many passages of the, of the, of the skies having a response, really the, the dissolution of, you might say, the, 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 third, the heavens during this time of called the great day of the Lord. Some people think it's poetry and it's just talking in a dramatic way about the second coming. More, I would say, scholars lean in the direction of saying this is literal. This is the dissolution of the universe as we know it, okay? But in either case, whichever you want to choose, the, the point is very clear. The old world is coming down, right? This is what the, is happening at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And a new one is being born at the moment of the second coming of Jesus. Now, so there's three things I want to say that I think, although this is all prophetic, I think has tremendous um, value and practical application for us in our life today. Three things about the second coming in these few verses that we just read. The first thing is the second coming is a day of reckoning, right? It's a day of reckoning, the, the, or a day of, of, of great judgment. You might say, well, what's the reckoning? Throughout the Bible, if you were to read it, especially the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well, but throughout the Bible, there's a phrase used time and again, many times it's called the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is a, is a, is a shorthand way to talk about the ultimate judgment that God will bring someday on the world, going back millennia in the Old Testament, the day of the Lord. And these, this judgment that finally comes is outlined, as I mentioned last week, in detail in the book of Revelation, chapter 6 through 19. It goes through detail about the wars and the pestilences and the judgments and the really the, 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 the great massive cataclysm that happens on the earth at the end of time. Okay, You see those judgments. The New Testament, let me just give you one verse from the Apostle Paul. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 3 in 1 Thessalonians that talks about the day of the Lord. From the Old Testament, he brings it into the New Testament church. Now, brothers and sisters, chapter 5, about these times and dates, we do not need to write them to you because they're talked about in the Old Testament. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, right? All's well. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape, right? Just like, use the same metaphor that Jesus uses here. It's universal judgment, and in many ways, of course, this is bad news, which is why we like the first coming, right? The Christmas story, a lot more than we like this one. But let me give you a little bit of context, and I hope a little bit of application for this, uh, this point. The day of the Lord, as it was spoken, always happened in times of oppression, whether it was in the mouth of Moses way back in the, in the early books, whether it was in the mouth of David, whether it was often Jeremiah and the prophets, even the apostle Paul, it was often spoken about in the context of oppression. The people of God, if you just think about the history of the Bible, very often, 
right? Whether it's Egypt or it's Assyria or it's Babylon or it's Rome or it's Greece or it's the world that we live in today in a manner of speaking, right? It's oppression. And what the people and what the prophets and these men and women in scripture have been saying for thousands of years is, Lord, how long must we live not only in oppression where many of the the, 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 the saints of old, the people of God lived under foreign oppression, but not just oppression, but unmitigated evil at the hands of men. The injustices, right? Even you and I, in our relatively comfortable lives, if we thought about it, we could sit down a number of the injustices that we see happening in the world all the time on the grand scale and even in our own lives. And we say, or we might think, God, how long until you bring justice into the world? But the Bible says this, God's not asleep. It's out of compassion. 2 Peter 3, 9, listen to these words. Because the same question has been asked for, for a long time. Well, Lord, when are you going to show up? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, right? Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Part of the reason that God doesn't act quicker in some of the injustice in the world is not because he's asleep. It's not because he's unloving. It's because of how much he does love the world. And he doesn't want anyone to perish. And it's because of his desire to want to see people turn their hearts towards him. I don't know what your conversations are like with friends or neighbors that aren't Christians. or, But of all the conversations that I have with people, you know, whether they're my, you know, friends or relatives or, or, you know, people I meet along the way in life, probably the number one objection I get to why I'm not interested in the things of God, why I might not be interested in having a deeper conversation or going to church or exploring the God of the Bible is the injustices that happen in the world. It's because of the unmitigated evil, because people look, you know, they read the newspaper or they, or they even think about their own lives and they say, listen, almost like the prophets of old did. Lord, how long? In a sense, if you think about it, people have said to me, and not in these words, not the God of the Bible is too angry. He's not angry enough, right? He's not angry enough. But what the Bible's telling us is this, a day is coming, okay? A day of reckoning is coming. God is not slow in keeping his promise. God is patient because he wants everyone to open out their hearts and he wants people to, to, to receive his gift. But the day is coming when all the evil, all of the injustice will be reckoned. That's the first thing this passage tells us. Second thing this passage tells us, right? The second coming of Christ is a day of reckoning. Second thing, it's a day of mourning, right? Which seems interesting or strange at first, right? You'd think why would it be a day of mourning? And then all the peoples of the earth, I'm reading verse 30, when they see this amazing thing, right? The, the lights go out, there's the, the, the son of man, the, the Messiah himself, Jesus Christ in some way that's hard for us to appreciate. He's, he's in the sky. It's not done in a corner like a manger in Bethlehem. Every eye will see it. All the peoples of the earth will see it, right? But it says they mourn. Right, I when I when I read this, I, I, this is strange, but it, a, a, a scene of a movie came to mind. The movie I believe was titled Magnolia. It was an old Tom Cruise movie, but it was it was just this scene. It's basically a story of a guy who has a broken relationship with his father, 
right? Tom Cruise is the, is, is the son and this father, and, 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 and the, and, but this guy is dying. And he hasn't talked to his son in a long time and he's dying. He's on his deathbed. In the, the scene that I'm talking about is this, the, the, the healthcare worker is a nurse played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, a, a Rochesterian, if you know who he is. And he's, he's, he's panicking because he realizes this man's dying and he knows this man's dying wishes to talk to his son. And he can't find his son because they have a broken relationship. But the, the character, his son, is a motivational speaker, kind of a mini celebrity. And he knows that much. And he's looking through these magazines. And he just calls the, the sort of the, you know, the, the 800 number to order products. And he's just talking to a sales guy that's on the other line. He's saying, please, can you help me find this man? And he says, well, I don't really know him. What can I do for it? And he said, listen. He goes, you know, there's, you know that scene in the movie? This is what the, the, the healthcare worker says. You know, when the guy's trying to get a hold of his, of his you know, his, his long lost son before he dies, he goes, that's what, that's, this, that's really happening right now. Those scenes are in movies because they really happen. He said, this is happening right now and I need your help. And in a sense, the second coming of Jesus, why is there mourning? Because in a sense, this is what's happening on the scene of the whole, the whole world is coming to the recognition that what God had said, this is really happening, right? People, it says, every eye will see him and they will look at him and they will realize that what they have heard about the gospel is actually true this is really happening and it's happening right now. You know, you've heard people say, and I would agree, that the there are people in the world today who don't, um, who, who've never heard the gospel message, right? They're in a closed country. They're in a, they're in a very, um, you know, remote part of the world, right? Or a, a difficult part to reach. And there are people like that. That's why we have missionaries, right? And we will continue to have missionaries uh, until Jesus comes. But the amount of people who have heard the gospel far outweighs those who haven't heard it. In other words, the world is full of people, even this world today, who have heard the gospel message but have not responded to it. And what there's the reason there's mourning is because all of a sudden, in one moment, when they see Jesus Christ in the sky, it's there, there's this recognition that this is really happening right now. It's a recognition of a lost opportunity that they've had, that others have had, that people have had, that you have had, that I have had. People have had who've said, listen, who, who didn't listen, who said, who, I'm not, I didn't, who didn't pay attention, who thought, you know, I, 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 should have, I could have looked into this, but I didn't. And there's this sense of mourning. There's this sense of regret, maybe because they were afraid of what people would think. You know, um, just a few years ago, uh, maybe three or four years ago, one of my High school friends, really a lifelong friend, um, passed away from a, a cancer diagnosis. And he, he had cancer for probably uh, maybe a year. But, uh, and I, we kind of, um, we're already, we're close, but we kind of re, re, reconnected in a, in a more significant way for that year. And I got to spend a lot of time with him, even through the last few days of his life. And in that last week of his life, we sort of set up, he set up a time, he really wanted to talk to me without anybody else present. And I can still remember being in his bedside. Everyone else, um, you know, uh, left the room and we just talked. And he was he was as clear as he was 
um, that I remember in this season of him being sick. He was very clear, focused, and he wanted to talk about God. And I shared the gospel with him again. And he, um, in a very easy and direct and, 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 and welcoming way, he received the message of the gospel. And it was, it was as genuine a prayer as I've ever seen anyone pray. And we, we just sat there together um, and, you know, kind of held each other's hands and, 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 uh, and, and had this moment together. When it was over, he said to me, um, you know, unsolicited, he said, you know, I've wanted to do this for a very long time. And I didn't, I said, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I said to him, and he said, but I was always afraid what other people would think, right? That's what's happening here. It's a day of reckoning, but it's also a day of mourning, an opportunity for lost opportunities. But let me say something that, that's, that's a positive about this sobering point. The movie's not over yet. See, we are still living in the movie today. And, uh, you know, we still have an opportunity. You still have an opportunity. This passage tells us that Jesus is coming in the future at his second coming as a judge. The day of the Lord is a day of great judgment. But today, he's a savior. And today, you still have the opportunity to experience him as savior. So the second coming of Jesus is first a day of reckoning, right? The long-awaited um, response of God to the injustice and the evil, it is going to come. God will respond and will judge the world for the evil that, it's, it, that we've all experienced, that we've all seen um, in the history of mankind. Second thing is it's a day of mourning which is really means it's a moment of lost opportunity where people living in that day will recognize that they have missed the greatest opportunity that, that anyone could have, which is to respond to the message of the gospel. They mourn for what they did not choose to do. But last, it's a day, according to this passage, of great glory, right? great glory. All the peoples of the earth will see him, will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Like I said before, it's the first coming was understated, happened almost, uh, people, most people didn't even know it happened, right? Most people had no idea what was going on. It was done on the margins of the community and of society. We only know about it because it was written in the Gospels, right? The second coming happens in the most, it's the show of shows. It's the most amazing event the world will have ever seen. When the, when the sun goes dark and Jesus Christ comes in the sky and every single person will see it. But here's the amazing thing about this passage about this truth, not just only in Matthew 24, but of the whole gospel record, the whole New Testament, the book of Revelation as it comes to a, clues, to a close. The whole biblical narrative, you might say, comes to a conclusion and a head in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And part of that great glory is in the midst of great judgment, in the amidst in the midst of great devastation, we call it the great tribulation. We've talked about that the last two Sundays. There is also the preaching of the gospel like there has never been before. And multitudes of people, multitudes of people, even in the midst of all this 
difficulty and sadness and judgment. Multitudes of people come to know Jesus as their Savior still to come during this period because of God's great love. Listen to these words. We're almost done. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and then 13 and 14. After this, this is John the Apostle who is receiving the vision. This whole book of Revelation is a vision that he receives from God. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, right? All of a sudden, he just sees this huge multitude of people in his vision. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. So all of a sudden, it's like this dramatic change of scene. And it's beautiful. And it's, he doesn't, it doesn't, what is this? Then one of the elders says to me, that was part of this vision, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? The, the, the elder asks John in this vision. I answered, sir, you know. Like, I don't know. I have no idea, John's saying. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb, right? Why is that verse there? What he's saying is this. He's not talking, this great multitude of every language, every tribe, every tongue, every skin color, every kind of people from all over the world. This isn't the church of Jesus Christ, you know, throughout history. This isn't the book of Acts to today. This isn't you and me. This says, these are just people that have come out of the great tribulation. Just these seven years of all this, um, you know, judgment and cataclysm and difficulty and wars and rumors of wars and, and, and this devastation, just in this period, right? The eternal gospel, the book of Revelation says, through the servants of God that are sent in this period, they preach the gospel. And once again, multitudes of people in this mess, in this judgment, come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, right? Ultimately, the, the second coming of Jesus is a day of great glory, right? So this ought to say to us, I hope it says to you and me, yes, it's a day of judgment. Yes, it's the conclusion of everything that God has done. Yes, God is going to finally respond to the evil and the injustice that happens in the world. And there is mourning, but there's great glory. And, and ultimately, it shows the heart of God, as it says in Peter, who's, who's not slow in his promises, but is patient because he doesn't want to see anybody um, lost. He wants all people to turn their lives to him and receive his grace, even down to the very last minute in this amazing story in the book of Revelation. So here's what I want to close our service, friends. I don't know, you know, where anybody is in, you know, I, I'm, I'm experiencing you through the beauty of technology and the internet. And, and I don't know, even, even in, in the congregation of Browncroft, I don't know where every heart and every mind, but I certainly don't know as it goes beyond the congregation of Browncroft into homes around this community uh, this morning. But I would say this to you, if you have never in your life Maybe you are like many multitudes. You've heard the gospel before. You've heard the story of the first coming. And maybe now you're hearing the second coming in a little more detail. But you've heard the gospel message before. It's not brand new to you. But you've never opened your life to it, right? You still have an opportunity 
to do that today. The movie, so to speak, is not over. And you can turn your heart, right? Just like people do in this story, in a much less crazy time, our day, right? I think our day is difficult, it is, but it's nothing like it will be in the Great Tribulation. But you have an opportunity. We all have an opportunity today to open your heart to God. So I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna close our, our time this morning. I'm just gonna say a prayer here. And, and uh, I'd encourage you to, to just pray with me or, or even use your own words that are very similar to these words. And it's just you simply doing what the Bible says, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, gave that whoever believes in him, it's an act of faith, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's just a, it's just a prayer from the heart of asking God to, to give you what he um, wants to, so greatly to give you, which is forgiveness in Jesus. So just pray this prayer with me if you choose, uh, and we'll close our service. God and Father, I thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ into this world um, to die for my sin and to... Um, be judged for my sin and to rise from the dead to offer me a whole new way of life. Lord, I, I come to you today and I want to let go of what I'm trusting in. I want to uh, confess in awe my, my sin that I am a sinner, but I open my life and uh, in, in, in welcome your grace and your forgiveness in Jesus. And I pray that you not only forgive me of my sin because of what Jesus has done, but give me your promised Holy Spirit that I might know, Lord, more how to live uh, for you and with you. And I might begin to serve this world um, in a way that you want me to. And I thank you uh, in Jesus' name, amen.